On this episode of the This Is Believe One podcast, I'd like to welcome back Mike Debate. He covers New England Patriots for full pass coverage, and he's the host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. Jim, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me back. Uh, always a pleasure to talk football with you, and uh, lots changed in New England since we last spoke, my friend. Yeah, uh, we... We talked for a while about, you know, Jarrett Stidham and, you know, what the Patriots are going to do. And uh, there's a new face in the quarterback room up there in Foxborough. Absolutely. And a familiar one to a lot of people. Uh, One that a lot of fans and media alike did not expect to see in the quarterback room this year. I'll be the first to admit I was one of them. But when you look at cam newton who is the person that we're talking about here folks when you look at cam and you look at the deal that he signed first of all and you look at the low risk and potential high reward of bringing in a player of his caliber you can understand why the patriots were interested uh you can definitely understand some of the proverbial chip on the shoulder of a guy like cam who's being reported several uh you know outlets throughout uh, uh you know nfl media uh, I think there's a tremendous upside here and a tremendous potential for this could be for this to be a great deal. If for any reason it doesn't work out as the Patriots had hoped, um, it is a low risk enough deal where they'll walk away with just a little a hair over a million dollars invested in cap space that they would eventually have to eat. But other than that, I think the Patriots are hoping that this is going to be a positive experience, and uh, I think Cam is motivated to prove to the league that getting him on this type of a deal was something that the other teams in the league that were in search of a quarterback are probably going to regret not uh, giving him a a really hard look this year. Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, low risk, high reward, and I think, uh, at least it's my belief, that Cam Newton doesn't necessarily have to play at that MVP level for the Patriots to be good. If he's just a relatively average version of Cam Newton, they're still going to be a very good football team up there in Foxborough. Yeah, I believe they will be. And look, I was high on the Patriots' expectations, maybe not as high as I am right now, but I was pretty optimistic about what the Patriots could do under Jarrett Stidham this year. Look, there's no question about it. They're not going to equal what they were under Tom Brady, and I think it's going to be very um, disingenuous of a lot of people to expect that they're simply going to come in, contend for a Super Bowl title, and be right back into the thick of things. That's a lot to put on any quarterback, whether it be Cam, whether it be Jarrett. Uh, anyone to succeed a guy like Tom Brady is going to be very difficult. Now, Cam is ready for that. I think maybe even a little bit more ready than Jarrett Stidham would have been. You can talk all you want to about Jarrett being able to rise to the occasion and being someone that uh, can block out a lot of what's going on and be able to essentially ignore the noise and play the game on the field. But for a guy that took only 14 snaps in the NFL last year, if there was a concern of mine that existed with Jarrett, and we talked about this the last time I was on the pod, that was it. Um, that was going to be it. Whether or not Jarrett Stidham could rise to the occasion and equal the task of following a legend like Tom Brady, that was going to be the, the, the biggest issue. Cam Newton doesn't have that difficulty. Yes, there are going to be growing pains getting used to this offense, getting used to the play calling style of Josh McDaniels and, of course, Bill Belichick, and being able to hold up under, you know, the, the the media scrutiny that is New England. There's no question about it. Cam was under a lot of media scrutiny in Carolina, but it's not like it's going to be here. New England is a bigger market. There are higher expectations, and there will be a lot more placed on his shoulders. The wild card in all of this is Cam's health. Now, we've seen the YouTube videos. We've seen the hype videos. He looks to be in pretty good physical condition, without any question. I mean, Cam looks to be ready to to answer the call. And in a lot of respects, that should be very encouraging news for Patriots fans. Uh, And, you know, obviously the coaching staff as well. They want him to be as healthy as possible. But he is coming off of two seasons in which he's missed the majority of his games. He missed a great number of uh, time, a great amount of time in 2018 with an injury to his throwing shoulder that has to be a concern to any quarterback even though like i said he looks very good right now can he hold up under a 16 game uh you know grind under uh, you know the, the 
new conditions here in New England. There's also the foot injury that he had last year. He looks to be fully healed, but again, we're not going to know until he hits the field and until we see what he can do. So those are all the concerns surrounding Cam right now. But boy, I'll tell you, if he's even close to what he was in his even in his MVP season and even a couple of years beyond, uh, then the Patriots definitely have something special here with Cam Newton. But they do have the supporting cast around him to be able to make that much better. I think you made a great point when you said that. Yeah, and there's a, a potential, you know, uh, external factor at play for the reason to possibly sign Cam Newton, and it's the fact that it's a delayed off season. We don't know how much these teams are actually going to have, you know, working together, installing an offense. There might be zero preseason games. So looking at it from their perspective, it's Cam Newton's been through it before. He knows, he knows the ins and outs and everything of how to be an NFL quarterback, how to prepare, and simply put, Cam Newton might be the better option immediately because of the lack of experience for Jarrett Stidham. That's definitely factored into the, uh, the the equation, no question about it. I think what factored into the equation most prominently, though, was the price that they were able to get him on. I think there was interest in Cam right along from the Patriots. Uh, word has it that Josh McDaniels was very intrigued uh, by the Carolina job because he thought that Cam was going to be the quarterback he'd be inheriting. When he found out that wasn't the case, I think his... Um, enthusiasm for that job waned a little bit and we saw him flirt with the Cleveland Browns as well there mm-hmm. was definitely a chance that he could have ended up there but ultimately I think with a with a quarterback like Cam you are getting a, a an NFL ready quarterback an NFL caliber quarterback a guy that you don't have to worry about whether he's ready for prime time or can rise to the occasion he's a former MVP led his team to a Super Bowl berth uh, he knows how to win and he knows how to play in difficult conditions and he knows how to play when the spotlight is greatest on him we also kind of danced around the subject that he's playing with a major chip on his shoulder. I think Cam is a little on the ticked off side, to to, to find a point on it, that he had to sign the deal that he had to sign, that essentially 31 other NFL teams passed on him, and he wants to prove that he still has a lot left in the tank at 31 years old. He wants to prove he's not washed, and he's a guy that can come in and be able to win games for this team. So, it looks like the perfect storm brewing here in Foxborough, and like I said, assuming he's healthy I don't see him losing the quarterback competition I know New England and and I've heard that several times from sources close to the team that say that the Patriots are going to have an open and legitimate quarterback competition I fully believe that but I believe that if both of these guys are playing at the maximum of their ability I don't see Cam losing that quarterback competition I just think he's too motivated he's got too much experience and I, I think at the end of the day the dynamic that he can add to the this offense is something that can't be ignored. Yeah, um, speaking of their offense, uh, it's going to be a different look, and you mentioned that before. Uh, they have not had a quarterback like Cam Newton uh, in New England before. Probably the closest thing to him was the very short amount of time of with Jacoby Brissett, and even still then, it's not the same. But McDaniels does have experience with a quarterback who can run the ball and has been good with it before during his time as the coach at the Denver Broncos when he Coach Tim Tebow. Now, obviously, Cam Newton is a more successful quarterback than Tim Tebow ever was. But you got to think he's going to pull a little bit from that experience and, you know, what he did with Tebow in Denver for some of, you know, maybe maybe some plays, maybe some concepts, packages, just to keep the defense on their feet. Because, as we know, Cam Newton, not the most accurate passer, but if you can get the defense to consider his legs a legitimate threat, it's going to open that offense up so much. Without any question. And I think that's exactly how they're going to use Cam. Look, there were a lot of rumblings that when Jarrett was going to be the guy here in New England, uh, that they were going to look to incorporate a lot of the run-pass options that have given the Patriots fits on the defensive side of the ball for so many years now. Uh, Guys like Lamar Jackson, even Patrick Mahomes to a certain degree, even a guy like Baker Mayfield have been known to be able to run these options because they're not afraid to tuck the ball and run when they need to. Cam in my opinion, opens this offense up to do that and to do just that. He can roll out. He can alleviate pressure in the pocket. He can make his reads, make the throws easier, and then always has the option to run if nothing is there. I think Cam gets a little bit of a bad rap with his accuracy in passing. He isn't the most accurate passer in the world statistically-wise, but he does bring a good number of... um, 
years of experience to the table. And at the same time, I think he is a little bit more accurate than people give him credit for. I think this may be one of the better receiving cores that he's worked with. And I know a lot of people are going to roll their eyes on that and say, oh, the Patriots don't have any wide receivers other than Julian Edelman. First of all, I think Cam is going to utilize Julian very well. We've seen him utilize slot receivers well in the past. He did a great job working with Steve Smith Sr. I don't think that there's any uh, uh, apprehension of him to work with a, a slot receiver with those short intermediate passes that work so well down the field for the Patriots. That's going to be an option for them. Then you're looking at outside threats. And yes, the Patriots may be devoid of that big name outside threat wide receiver that so many fans are clamoring for. But I can tell you that guys like Nikhil Harry, Mohamed Sanu, uh, even Jacoby Myers are capable of getting yards down the field. And with a quarterback that has the, the skill level of a Cam Newton, you can't just make the assumption that he's going to sit in the pocket, wait for his target, and be able to hit his target. They know there's a chance that if he doesn't see something within the first couple of seconds, he's going to take the ball and he's going to take the uh, you know it himself and take it upon himself to get the yardage. He has that option. So I think in a lot of ways you're going to see him utilize this uh, you know wide receiving core to its maximum. I think you're also going to see him utilize the tight ends as well. I think there's a guy right now in Cleveland that a lot of Patriots fans have their eye on and David Njoku I'm not quite sure that's going to be the fit that a lot of people are hoping for it's not. Uh, their recent <laughs> windfall in uh, you know in uh, cap space has a lot of people wondering I, I don't believe that's going to be the case I just don't think that it's a fit in New England uh, for a lot of reasons one of which is being I think David is going to be looking for a long-term deal down the line. I'm not sure the Patriots would want to make that commitment when it appears that they have invested a lot in giving the tight end position to guys like Devin Asiasi and uh, Dalton Keene, their two uh, rookie tight ends. I think those guys can see a lot of action as well. Cam loves throwing to athletic tight ends. We saw him do it with Greg uh, Olson down in Carolina. So in that respect, I think this gives him a lot of options, and we haven't even really mentioned the running back core either, guys that can run the ball and take the pressure off. Somebody like a James White could really benefit from having someone like Cam Newton on staff because not only is White a very good running back, but he's also very adept at catching the ball out of the backfield as well. Yeah, you mentioned Dave Njoku, uh, not the New England tight end. Uh, New England tight end's got a block and catch. Njoku struggles with both. Um, and like you said, they drafted two tight ends this year. That That's their plan. They just invested in two tight ends. They're not going to bring in uh, Njoku, who's going to cost them, you know, some sort of compensation. What it is, I don't know. Uh, and then have to pay him. That's just not the way the Patriots really operate ever. Uh, there is one name of a player in Cleveland that uh, people have murmured about, uh, you know, you know, saw him working out with Cam in the offseason and started to play the Connections game, and that would be Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, <clears throat> Beckham stated he's wanted to play for New England before. Uh, he worked out with Cam. He worked out with some of the other players on the Patriots. As much as people are saying, no, the Browns aren't going to trade Odell Beckham Jr., all I remember is the Giants saying the exact same thing right before he got traded. So, please, for <laughs> everyone in Cleveland's sake, throw some cold water on this. <laughs> well, I think I could probably help you out. Look, you always expect the unexpected in New England. So just when you think that they're going to zig, they zag. That's a common phrase up here when it comes to Bill Belichick. And ultimately, I mean, it, the, the choice is going to be his. But... At the same time, I still don't believe that this is that this will will happen. I think that the Patriots right now logistically um, do have a little bit of room under the cap, but there would have to be other moves that would have to be incorporated in order to even consider bringing a guy like Odell in. Um, I think ultimately that the cap situation that they'd be facing for the next number of years and taking on that contract would be a little bit difficult. And like I said, I think the Patriots want to keep their options open, especially in a year right now where we're very uncertain of what the cap situation is going to look like next year, of what the availability of certain free agents is going to be next year. The COVID-19 pandemic has a lot of people hesitating to do business as they normally do. Mm -hmm. And I think for those reasons, I don't think that the New England Patriots, who are one of the more conservative teams in the the, uh, the nation when it comes to cap space and when it comes to financial obligations and uh, um, and uh, you know that that type of business, I don't see them pulling the trigger on this trade. So 
in a lot of ways, no, I don't think that that will happen. I think Odell is going to stay in Cleveland. And to be honest with you, I actually expect him to have a pretty good year. I think that uh, new coaching staff, fresh approach, uh, I think it's going to rejuvenate Baker. And I think in a lot of ways, I think Odell can maybe enjoy one of his better seasons of his career this year because I think Cleveland's going to have a different motivation, a different mindset, and a different result on the field. Yeah, uh, everyone here is certainly hoping uh, for that to be the case. Uh, you know, shortened offseason, no preseason games has me a little bit concerned about this passing game. But the running game, you know, outside zone run scheme that they're going to be utilizing, that's that's going to be the easy part to, to, to put in. It's the passing game which I, that concerns the hell out of me. All right. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways that you're right on that. Um, there is there is some concern. But again, I would consider and I would caution, uh, you know, Browns fans right now, have faith. Let's see what this new approach is going to look like and let's see what they can do. I think the, the sting of underachieving last year, a lot of that needs to be laid on the, on the, uh, the doorstep of Freddie Kitchens, who I have nothing personal against, but he was in way over his head for the team uh, that he put on the field and the talent level and the expectations that were there. Uh, that can really cause uh, some difficulties. So um, use temperance when it comes to the Cleveland Browns folks this year. I think they may surprise a lot of people. Okay, uh, we're all hoping for that, but you know we've been hoping for that for <laughs> over two decades. Uh, so you you mentioned the financial obligations for the Patriots a minute ago. They have a little bit of a, a clear idea of what they're doing in regards to Joe Tooney. He's expected to play under the franchise tag this year, as they have not agreed to terms on a new deal. Yeah, I, 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 this is not really a shock to me, especially after Saturday's news that the Patriots were indeed getting some cap relief from previous grievances with Antonio Brown and the Aaron Hernandez estate. That freed up approximately $6.55 million. It has them about seven and about $7.7, $7.8 million over the, uh, with cap space right now uh, to work with. So in a lot of ways, I think a lot of people expected that they would try to work out a long-term deal with Joe, but they weren't under the obligation or the grind to be able to do it. If that grievance hadn't come through, I think you would have seen the Patriots make a much harder push to lock Joe up long-term, or they might have been forced to to, uh, to look at a trade. And folks, a trade is still a possibility just because he's going to play now under the one-year franchise tag, which is approximately $14.78 million in salary that Joe will be playing under this year. It's a pretty good payday for Joe Tooney. He knows that. But mm-hmm. there is still a possibility that the Patriots might look to deal him if Joe comes back to them or his representatives come back to the Patriots and say, well, we're just going to do this for one year and then we're out of here. We're going to seek a long-term deal. Even if that's the case, I still think the Patriots may just choose to play out the year with him. Joe is that valuable to this offensive line without any question. The offensive line is missing Dante Scarnecchia, who has been their rock of an offensive line coach for a number of years now. Um, You don't just replace a guy like that. Even though I have a lot of faith in Carmen Brasillo and Cole Popovich, who are going to essentially split those duties this year, coaching the offensive line, you need continuity, and Joe Tooney provides that. He's also probably their go-to guy if there's anything that happens on that line, whether it be a tackle position that goes down and they need him to shift, or even the center position. David Andrews missed all of last year with blood clots in his lungs. Again, we're hearing so many great things about his health. He's healthy, he's ready to go, he's all set to go, and we hope that is the case. But when you're dealing with the wild card out there of a pandemic that affects the respiratory system, you have to be extremely careful uh, when you're dealing with player health. So if that is the case and David does need to miss any time or whatnot, you might even see Joe slot in at center a couple of times this year. So his value and his worth to this team might be worth that investment and maybe even just getting a compensatory pick back if they decide not to trade him and move on. So this was a good move for New England. Uh, they keep him in New England, and you're going to need as much offensive line help as you can get, especially protecting a new quarterback. Uh, you know, looking forward, to, looking ahead to next year, if they, they keep him throughout the entire season, which they probably should, and, you know, they can't come to terms on a new deal. Any thoughts to possibly applying the transition tag to him? So if someone else reaches out to him with a multi-year deal, they can just match it and have that entire situation solved for at least the short term? Yeah, I think it's a possibility. I think they're going to weigh all their options. Uh, I think ultimately what they would like to do is, you know, 
look at all of their options and see what's available. I think they would like to, once the season's over, I think they would like to try to reach a, a long-term agreement with Joe. I can tell you that the Patriots brass is very high on this guy, and I think they want to do everything they can to keep him in New England. Now, we all know that officially there are not going to be any type of negotiations. They can't revisit these contract talks until the end of the season. They can't announce that. But we all know that back channel, you know, <laughs> communications <laughs> yeah. happen. And, you know, I mean, nobody is being naive here and in terms of thinking that there's not going to be some contact or that Joe Tooney is not going to arrive at the end of the season and not know what the Patriots' intentions are. I think it's going to be telltale if they don't do anything this year. Uh, I think that bodes well for actually, believe it or not, I think it bodes well for, for Joe being. He should tell me that there's something going on behind the scenes that leads both sides to believe that a long-term deal can be reached. So, ultimately, folks, they're going to pay a, a hefty price for one year of a second-team all-pro left guard. But when you're talking value to this team, uh, it really is a bargain uh, at this point, considering what Joe Tooney can give you on the field. And he's durable. This is a guy that does not miss time. Uh, and he doesn't, you know, have, you know, many, uh, uh, many question marks in terms of what he's going to be able to give you. He can play anywhere on the line. Uh, he, he's worth that price, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, Joe Tooney, definitely one of the better offensive linemen in football. Uh, obviously, hopefully, New England wants to keep them. If not, and he goes somewhere else, they'll be getting a great offensive lineman. Uh, something you kind of mentioned uh, during the, uh, while we were talking about Joe Tooney, was that the Antonio Brown and Aaron Hernandez grievance, uh, that was essentially solved and that freed up some money. Which led to the terrible world of Twitter deciding to play the Connect the Dots game uh, with the hilariously bad idea of Jadavian Clowney to the Patriots. Uh, <laughs> I think it would be a terrible fit, but what would you think if they actually went out and got Clowney? Well, I mean, when you look at what Clowney can bring to you on the table, I don't think there's a defense or I don't think there's anybody out there that would not want to put a player of his caliber in a defense and give him a defensive coach like Bill Belichick to be able to maximize his prowess. That being said, folks, this one, I, I'd be absolutely shocked if this one happened. Uh, I definitely do not expect it. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network went on the Pat McAfee show a couple of days ago, and he said that he still believes Jadavian Clowney's primary um, motivation here is to get paid. Uh, mm -hmm. Where he can get paid as much as possible. Uh, maybe even sit out training camp while he's weighing his options. I don't think he'd necessarily be averse to that. I think a lot of players may you know, look at him and say, well, you know what, he might be onto something there. Um, he probably would want a one-year deal, so that way it would be more beneficial of himself to be able to seek a long-term deal once we know a little bit more what has happened with the cap and what's going to happen next year. But I don't think he's taken just a short, tiny deal from the New England Patriots that's not going to pay him the maximum amount that some teams out there might be willing to offer him. Now, if he's intent on maximizing his value like i said new england is definitely not going to be his destination <laughs> even though the patriots have a little more to work with with in terms of cap space they're not going to sign him to a max deal or they're not going to win a bidding war with anybody for his services i think new england is looking at this windfall that uh you know they got over the weekend with the grievances uh you know ruling in their favor as a rainy day fund i think mm -hmm. there's a lot of unused cap space that they're going to look to compile uh the patriots do have a lot of incentive-laden contracts that they need to keep, uh, you know, cap space available for. And ultimately, if there's a veteran or two that are out there that are willing to take less, maybe come in, play under Bill Belichick, knowing that they're going to be able to play with Cam Newton, then I can see them making a deal like that. But Clowney, I think, is going to want too much. I think he's going to want too much of a commitment. Those are things the Patriots are not going to be looking for this year. So if that's the case, then, yeah, I really just don't expect the Patriots to bring Jadavion Clowney on board. Yeah, not to mention the fact that they just signed Cam Newton for almost nothing. Uh, how would it, you know? How do you think he would feel if they went out and signed Jadavion Clowney in some monster deal or some you know heavy salary, uh, guaranteed money deal when Cam Newton's getting nothing? I don't think he'd be very happy. He probably wouldn't. I mean, I think Cam is. 
mature enough to the point where he would realize that the Patriots made this signing at a time where they didn't have the flex, the the uh, the, the cap flexibility that they currently have. Uh, I think they can sell him on the idea of the fact that he can make up to seven point seven five million if he meets his uh, contractual obligations. Uh, and at the same time, I also think they can sell him on the fact that this is the best spot for him to win and win now. But Ultimately, I think it's, it does send the wrong message, and not just to Cam Newton. I think it sends the wrong message around the board if they're going to utilize the entirety of that cap hit, which I think they would have to do to bring Jadavion in. I just don't see the Patriots doing that. I think they're looking at this as we're ahead right now. We're going to use this to our advantage and be frugal. We're not just going to go out and spend it on the brand-new shiny toy that might be available. All right, let me throw you one hypothetical about Clowney. I want to move on to one other player who might be on the move before we get on to our, uh, you know, uh, some concerns about football this upcoming fall. But uh, one last hypothetical about Jadavian Clowney. Um, if Tom Brady was still there, do you think mm-hmm. Clowney would sign for a much lesser deal because he would feel that they're closer to a Super Bowl or in his mind that, you know, oh, Tom Brady's still in New England? You know, I can go and join that and, you know, ride on this coattails? Do you think... If he was there, Clowney takes less to go there? It's possible. I know a lot of players are very high on Cam and and his ability to be able to contend in New England. So I don't necessarily think it's that much of, of 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 a fall off as it would be if Jared Stidham were the quarterback. Then I don't think there'd be, even if they had this space, I don't think there's any way Clowney would entertain that idea. That's not a knock on Jared. Again, I'm very high on his capabilities and his abilities to lead this team. But it's such an unknown. We don't know what Jared Stidham is really going to be like mm-hmm. until he takes snaps under center, is in live in-game action on a regular basis when he has the title of starting quarterback. With Cam Newton in town, I think a lot of people look at this team now as more readily capable of contending and winning. And that means the division. That means the conference. I've even heard people up here talk Super Bowl. I think that's very premature right now. I think there's still a lot that needs to be worked out. But I definitely think they're right in the mix for the division this year without any question now because Cam Newton brings that level of experience and potential play on the field that could really make things interesting here. I don't necessarily think it's a Tom Brady factor with Jadavian Clowney. Um, it might have increased his thought process a little bit of taking less money because Tom has that pedigree. He has that resume of being in contention every single year. And if he were playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, you talk about Cam Newton playing with a chip on his shoulder. If there's one guy I don't want to tick off, it's Tom Brady. I've seen him do it year in, year out. Just when you think that guy is done, he will come back and he'll prove to you he's not. I think he's going to do it again in Tampa this year. It's not to say I think he's going to go on and win a Super Bowl, but I do believe he's going to be right in the thick of things this year in the NFC. Uh, he's not going down there to lose. And, um yeah, that might have had an effect, but again, I don't think it's that much of a fall-off because I think Jadavion sees Cam Newton here and realizes that he could have something special in New England even if Tom's not the quarterback. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that <clears throat> Clowney's just going to look for the most amount of money possible, and I don't know if necessarily it's going to be his best option. Obviously, he'll make a ton of money, but he might not be on a good team or necessarily be in a good situation to perform well. Right. Uh, now, there is one other player uh, who is being franchise tagged, and he obviously wants out of where he is, or, I'm sorry, he's not franchise tagged. He's going to be making $17 million this year, and that's Yannick Ngakwe down in Jacksonville. Uh, right. <clears throat> apparently, they've received multiple offers for him, one including a Pro Bowl player who didn't fit their system. Uh, please save me some sanity and tell me that New England's not going to go swoop in and get this guy. <laughs> <laughs> from what I've heard, well, I did walk, uh, work the wires today and, and tried to think of, of certain scenarios and tried to reach out to people that I thought might have some insight when it comes to this. And yeah, I, I, this is one I don't see happening. I think the multiple offers on the table to me spells the end for any type of New England involvement. I think anytime you're going to get into a bidding war, whether it be for assets, like you said, Pro Bowl caliber players, draft picks, things of that nature, those types of trades, if you're dealing with multiple teams that are willing to pay a 
pretty hefty price, I think it's going to be a little difficult for New England to compete. So, yeah, I would not expect Yannick uh, to uh, to end up in New England. Uh, I think that in a lot of ways, I think that uh, there is still uh, you know some hope that the Patriots are going to you know go with what they have uh, defensively and still be able to put out a tremendous uh, you know uh, team on, on that level, but. Yeah, when, when you're talking multiple teams involved, it usually means that the Patriots are probably likely to bow out. Yeah, and just it's it's kind of interesting how this entire scenario with him is playing out. He doesn't want to play there. The Jaguars are essentially not wanting to go out and trade him, and it's just you can either get like a first or second round pick now or that comp pick when he walks, and it seems like they'd rather settle for that comp pick and not be competitive at the same time. Yeah, and I mean, Jacksonville has basically put it out there that they're not in any rush to to uh, to you know to think of this differently. Um, they're they're willing to essentially just do what they do. So, you know, this is one I'm definitely going to keep my eye on without any question about it because I think there's a lot of intriguing parts and a lot of intriguing options here. Um, and and we'll see we'll see what ends up happening. But uh, yeah, in terms of Yannick ending up in uh, New England, I think uh, the other 31 NFL fan bases can probably breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> And, uh, you know, think that he won't end up here. And you know what? Just because I said that, expect Yannick to be at Logan Airport probably this evening signing a contract. <laughs> That's just the way this offseason gone. It really has. Uh, they'll find someone to, to move or, you know, they'll probably like, uh, they'll probably do some sort of Bill Belichick thing and, you know, trade a, you know, some sort of linebacker that, you know, pissed him off this morning uh, while he's, you know, right before he filmed his Subway commercial and, you know, it's just like, you know what, let's just get rid of this guy and uh, let's go get Yannick Ngakwe and that that's our new guy. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, he was someone I wanted Cleveland to at least look into. Um, that was obviously before they reworked the deal for Olivier Vernon and handed uh, Miles Garrett, or at least or the process of handing Miles Garrett that monster extension. Uh, you know, Ngakwe being a perfect commodity. Uh, at the time, Vernon had a non-guaranteed deal, so it was just a, you know an easy like you know like for like swap contract wise. Uh, but obviously, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen now. But I imagine he'll end up somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I do believe he will. And I don't think it's going to be in Jacksonville. I just think there's too much, um, you know, acrimony right now with both sides. I think uh, Yannick is looking to move on. At the end of the day, I think that Jacksonville is looking to move on. I think they're trying to save face in a lot of this by holding on to him, by, uh, you know, looking like, you know, they're the ones that are calling the shots. Ultimately, I mean, they could. They could hold him. I mean, they have every, you know, legal right to be able to do it but mm -hmm. i just think it's best for both parties involved to move on and it'll be interesting to see which teams swoop in and are able to uh, to make a, a competent offer uh and then try to work out something long term in the off season with him so um yeah this 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 one could get interesting and he's one of those pieces that we see every year that could end up going to a contender and changing the complexity completely of that team or he might go and not really move the needles that much. I mean, it could go either way. We've seen it go either way several times. So I like to say keep a sharp eye out. This is one I definitely have a sharp eye on uh, because this could be an intriguing uh, um, storyline throughout the 2020 season. Yeah, uh, and speaking of the 2020 season, uh, there's concerns. There are concerns about uh, if they're going to start on time, if they're even going to play. Uh, obviously, uh there's been some quiet uh, discussion and, you know, tweets about the NFL and the NFLPA having some uh, issues regarding, you, you know, everything that goes into, you know, the collective bargaining agreement. You know, not entirely too different, which we saw from baseball when they just decided to fight each other and destroy their sport in front, you know, in front of everyone. So we all got to watch that. But... Um, are you concerned that football will not start on time or even at all? Uh, I think there are legitimate concerns, Jim, and I, I, I don't mean to uh, you know, rain on anybody's parade, but we're dealing with a pandemic. We're dealing with a circumstance that no one has ever seen before. And how that's going to translate to a game like football where it's – so dependent on personal interaction it's so dependent on people being so in such close proximity to each other i mean you're talking about a sport with tackling you're talking about a sport lining up linemen across from one another very close 
quarterbacks, uh, you know, defensive backs, wide receivers, these types of battles, uh, these things happen. I mean, there's no question about it. In terms of testing, I know they're trying to do everything that they can to ensure that players that are put on the field are 100% healthy, that there will not be a risk. But you know that there are going to be players that are testing positive. We're already seeing it in a lot mm -hmm. of regards. And one thing we haven't seen a whole lot of yet is players opting out of the season. And a lot of teams are being flexible when it comes to giving them the option of being able to do so. I think if you see a lot of that and you see some real significant dents to these rosters prior to the regular season opening up uh there might be delays i do believe you will see football on the field this year i don't believe they're going to scrap the season i think there are too many measures that have been put into place to avoid that from happening but in terms of a, a full season or a season that is going to be without interruption i think that's very much up in the air right now so uh be cautious, football fans. I know we're all anxious to get football back on the field. Uh, you had mentioned, you had hinted earlier that we may not even see a full preseason or any preseason. I think that's still definitely on the table. We've already seen the preseason reportedly cut in half by the NFL. Uh, it wouldn't shock me to see them eliminate those games uh, in hopes of trying to see if further advancements can be made medically uh, to ensure player safety. But again, if they can't do that, uh, I think this could be a, a longer season or maybe even a, a shorter season if they decide to uh, to cut it, give a little bit of a break, and then maybe go back into the playoffs. I, I think you're looking at a, a situation that we haven't seen before, and we're not going to know fully what that's going to mean uh, until we start to see a lot of this unfold. Yeah, it, it seems like the NFL took the approach of, we'll have time, we'll have time, we'll have time, just kept putting it off. And when it it's literally... We're knocking on the doorstep of, you know, the season starting. We still don't know anything about what they're doing. Uh, we, we saw the, I'm calling it a very laughable measure of them banning the post-game jersey swaps. Like, they can tackle each other for three and a half hours, but no, the, the jersey swap, that's out, that's, out of, that's out of the play. That's out of the question. You can't swap a jersey. You know, these guys are breathing on each other. They're spitting. They're sweating. They're, you know probably coughing and God knows what, you know, they're yelling at each other. There are, you know, particles from their mouths and their nose going into each other's faces, but a Jersey swaps, you know, that's not allowed. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of that, and I hate to say this, it makes me sound like a cynic, but a lot of that is window dressing. I think a lot of what you're seeing is, well, we're trying to do something. We're doing everything we possibly can uh, within the parameters of the game to limit that. If it means that maybe a jersey swap at the end of the game helps to prevent one case, then we've done our job. But you make a great point, Jim. I mean, you know, we're, we're looking at a, a game where these guys are sweating all over each other. They're breathing all over each other. That's really it. Breathing, coughing, wheezing. I mean, players are, you know, especially some linemen, and they're not in amazingly, uh, you know, gifted cardio shape. So, you know, there are guys that are going to be winded and, and whatnot, and that does result in coughs. That results in, you know, breathing on each other. I, from what we're hearing from the medical experts, sweat is really not a way to contract this. It's not transmitted that way, but there are a lot of particles and a lot of uh, abilities, uh, you know, for uh, for people to, to contract this. So in a lot of ways, uh, yeah, I think that the, the jersey swap is nothing more than window dressing at this point. Uh, it's trying to be seen to go the extra mile when maybe that extra mile is not even worth the, the time it's going to take to get there. But, <laughs> you know, whatever. I think the league is trying to look at all options right now. So if, if it, it makes the, the right optic, then they'll try to do it. But I, I don't think it really significantly reduces the risk. I think the risk is going to be out there no matter what. It's just a matter of how they're going to be able to contain players and prevent them from contracting it. That really, to me, is, is the biggest wild card here. Yeah, and I would just like to say I, I'm aware that, that you know sweat doesn't transmit it. I was just trying to paint the picture of, let's be honest, sports are disgusting. <laughs> they're gross. Yeah. Oh, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> they're gross. That's the only reason I involve sweat. I mean, I could have also involved, you know, God knows what else, you know, uh, any other potential bodily fluid. But the point was is that, it, that sports are gross. <laughs> and yeah. just trying to paint that picture there. Uh, I saw uh, a tweet from Tom Pelissaro earlier today saying that the latest proposal to the Players Association still included two preseason games. But the union wants no preseason, uh, high testing frequency, injury protections for players to contract COVID-19. Uh, I think I also saw something um, 
I don't know if this was a report or just someone suggesting it, but uh, for players who were to opt out, still being able to you know get credit for that year, essentially, similar to what baseball's doing, uh, you know, if people want to opt out because of the coronavirus. Uh, but it still seems like, um, you know, I know preseason, not a big deal or whatever, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, the argument over two preseason games, no preseason games kind of mirrors the argument baseball had with the amount of games a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what they're going to try to do in terms of, of maybe giving a little bit of, of wiggle room or at least a little bit of peace of mind to some players that may want to, uh, you know, opt out of the season and may have no choice but to opt out of the season. Um, you know, I, I really I'd be very surprised to see a preseason game uh, snap this year. I really would be. I think that a lot of I think it's trending in that direction. I still think it's very early. I think that the NFL is trying to do everything they can to show that it's going to be business as usual. But ultimately, they're the ones that are going to have to you know make that that determination. And making that determination is just something that uh, um, they may be forced to, even if they didn't want to right from the get go. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I understand where the Players Association is coming from. They're looking to protect their players. That's their responsibility. The league is looking to protect itself and its bottom line. But uh, there's going to have to be a happy medium come to because especially in a pandemic where you're dealing with a the spread of a disease that unfortunately is just not showing any signs of – um, you know, being able to be conquered anytime soon. There, there's a lot of measures being put in place that are reducing the number of cases that we're seeing, and they're, you know, they're they're making progress in that regard. But we're still no closer today. I mean, unless you know, you believe some of the reports that are being put out there to a vaccine or being able to eradicate this. Um, that right there, obviously, would put an end to all of this. If a, if a vaccine could be mass produced and it could be, uh, you know, taken in, in a short amount of time, then you don't have anything to worry about. But it's very unlikely that that will be the, uh, the case. And if that isn't the case, then you know these these teams are going to have to make decisions, and players are going to have to make individual decisions on what's best for them. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of uh, what's going to dictate what the NFL does is what happens with the other leagues and even college football. As we've seen, college football's opted for at least you know a couple of the conferences are only opting for conference play. So, you know, Ohio State Oregon's not going to happen. You know, that was the big game here; everyone was looking forward to. But you know, uh, Notre Dame finds himself in a, in a weird spot because they don't have a conference, and you know, the conferences they usually play are only playing conferences. Um, there are issues down in Orlando with the NBA bubble, the MLS bubble. Uh, players in baseball still don't know about their testing status. Some guys are testing negative, then positive, then negative, then positive again. Uh, testing's not being done in an adequate manner or timely, <laughs> timely manner. It, it seems like they're going to have, I guess, the advantage of seeing how you know, these other sports either work or completely fall apart and be able to address it that way. But I, I feel they need to be a little bit more proactive in getting some, some plans in place. Yeah. And I agree with that. And the time is running short. I mean, we're, you know, <laughs> not too much, uh, you know, behind the, uh, the supposed opening of training camps on the 28th of July, which most teams are scheduled to open up maybe within a day or so here and there. Uh, but uh, there are going to have to be some difficult decisions, maybe decisions that have been, I don't want to say swept under the rug because I don't necessarily think the NFL has essentially done that. But uh, there are some hard decisions that, that are going to have to be made, especially if you start to see players as we get closer to the training camp openings to uh, looking at what the opening of actual professional sports games are going to do. I think NFL players are going to be watching the NHL and Major League Baseball, the NBA, very closely to determine how these things are working out. Are players going down with um, you know any type of, uh, you know, if they, are they testing positive for this are they going to be forced to miss time as a result of it and how how much of that is is happening is it 
being widespread is one player testing positive and then all of a sudden the next couple of days you see three four players test and then mm-hmm. it's it just it's one of those things that until you actually see the competition out on the field or on the court or on the ice regardless of where it is you're not going to know that the NFL does have that advantage in not having in-game live action scheduled for September so they can take a look at a lot of how these teams uh, and these leagues now are handling this and maybe that gives them a leg up on the competition but at the same time it also may uh, may spell some difficulty for them as well yeah and what's what's going to come down to really is how well i guess uh players take care of themselves uh there was right. a there was a baseball player here in cleveland uh framio reyes who went to a fourth of july party uh was not following social distancing guidelines was not wearing a mask and uh they essentially like banished him from the clubhouse for a couple of days until they are you know sure that he did not you know contract COVID nineteen. Uh, you know players down in NBA. Uh, one of the guys on I want to say is the Nets. He went outside the bubble to go get delivery food that was delivered to the complex. Uh, you know there's been uh, essentially what people are referring to as a snitch hotline where people are calling in and complaining about NBA players not following the guidelines set in for the bubble. And it's, you can create a bubble, you can do everything you want, but if players aren't following the rules, it's just going to fall apart. And it seems like we're about, we're getting, we might see that tipping point happen. I hope it doesn't happen, but I, I, I realize that it very well could. Yeah, and I, I do realize that it probably could happen as well. Again, I share your optimism and I share your hope that that is not the case and that, you know, there is, uh, you know, cooler heads do prevail and that, uh, you know, things will eventually be okay and it doesn't reach that tipping point. But you have to wonder, uh, you really do have to wonder what uh, what the NFL has planned for contingencies and for worst case scenario, which, again, you always hope that's not the case, but um you know, all it takes is, is just a little bit of spiraling out of control and you just want to make sure that everyone stays safe and that no one infects anyone else either. That's that's a big point that you mentioned uh, as well. It's not so much the these athletes that are going to possibly contract it. It's how are they going to be able to contain the spread? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are they going to quarantine the uh, uh, these players when, you know, they have families? And, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot that, that could, uh, you know, theoretically happen. We've seen a lot of players voice their concerns over spreading it to their family, not so much contracting it themselves. So, yeah, just a lot of questions out there. And uh, to me, I think it spells questions for being able to start the season on time or, uh, you know, what that means for preseason or what, what this means for the NFL going forward. I really think it's still too early to tell. I know a lot of people want to believe that everything's going to happen exactly as planned, but I think that might be a little bit too optimistic at this point. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> We have some uh, breaking NFL news here. Uh, looks like the Titans and Derrick Henry are agreeing to a four-year deal. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is yeah, this is something. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, interesting offseason for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, paying a running back a lot of money now. That they paid Ryan Tannehill. Are you a fan of what they're doing? Uh, I am a fan of keeping uh, your most player under contract for the duration or for as long as you possibly can so you know i believe according to shafter's report it's four years 50 million dollar contract 25.5 million dollars guaranteed um you know keeping derrick henry keeping ryan Tannehill on long-term deals it solidifies your uh you know your running back position it solidifies the quarterback position. And look, it's hard to argue with the success that Ryan had last year. This might be the perfect fit for him. Mike Vrabel seems to really, um, you know, take to what he's able to do. I know he's had his struggles before down in Miami. I think a lot of that was poor coaching. I think a lot of that was poor supporting cast around him. He doesn't have either one of those in uh, uh, in Tennessee. Look, ultimately, you don't want to and commit too much money up front to superstars and then not be able to surround them with the talent around them that it takes to compete for a championship we've seen teams do that several times before and they were never able to have the success that they were supposed to have on the converse you've seen teams like the team that i cover the new england patriots that have uh you know not necessarily gone the extra mile for a lot of their uh you know free agents and said to themselves okay well we're gonna walk away uh we're gonna let you walk let you go get your money and we're gonna bring in someone that may not be as experienced
expensive, may not be uh, as you know marquee in terms of name value, but someone that's going to be able to come in and win and surround this team with the supporting cast that they need to uh, to contend. So, jury's still out on whether or not this is going to be a a majorly great move uh, for the Titans long term, but they were. You know, within they were within striking distance of the Super Bowl last year. They have to think that they want to keep striking while the iron is hot. And at this point, that's exactly what I see in this move. So good move for the Titans. But in terms of it being great moves in this offseason, I think the jury's still out on that. I think we still need to see what kind of supporting cast they're able to field for the next couple of years and then beyond. Yeah, uh, looking at uh, Henry and and, and uh, Tannehill's contracts are at least uh, the same amount of time, so they're at least paired together in that way. Uh, my concern with the Tannehill thing is he played great, but was was that an outlier? Was that the best of what you're going to see out of Tannehill? I mean, he, he had a very up and down experience down in Miami, uh, and Derrick Henry paying a running back is always that's such a hard gamble, and he has carried right. the ball so much the past two years. Even if you had the you know his previous year, the third year, where he carried it 176 times when he only started two games, but 215 carries two years ago, 303 carries last year. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, without question. And the workload and the ability to sustain that workload for a running back in the NFL is not an easy thing to do, and it will not it will not be an easy thing to do. It will continue to be difficult, and the type of running back that Derrick Henry is is not designed for a long shelf life. Now, that's not to say he can't do it, folks. He can absolutely do it. He's a very good athlete. He's got the size, the capabilities of being able to sustain a long career in this league, but running backs and long-term deals have always been a hit or miss, and if you're the Tennessee Titans, you sincerely hope this one's a hit. I think they wanted to take the chance away that Derrick Henry would walk away at the end of the season and would move on to another team. They took that away right now, so now Mm -hmm. he's going to be here for the foreseeable future it's just going to be whether or not he's going to be able to live up to the expectation of the contract Tannehill I think is a more interesting case study uh, because you're right it was this an outlier um, he looked to be very comfortable in the off in the uh, the, uh, the offensive system that Tennessee wanted to employ uh, this past year he looked like a better fit than Marcus Mariota obviously he was they continued to go with him uh, but he looked like a quarterback that struggled a little bit in the playoffs and mm-hmm. I think you saw that with you know even in the game against uh, against New England I, I don't think he played a blockbuster game in that they ran Derrick Henry to that uh, you know that that birth in the playoffs and being able to uh, uh, to move on past them get past uh, you know team like Baltimore and then obviously uh, you know succumb to a team like um, like uh, Kansas City but ultimately I think there's a lot that uh, still needs to be proven and we've seen quarterbacks get big time deals after having a good season before and then all of a sudden a year or two later that deal looks terrible or at the very at the very best uh, it doesn't look so good so again that's why I say the jury's still out on these moves but um, you know if you're a Titans fan you have to be at least optimistic based on what you saw last year and the fact that they're bringing back they're running back and their quarterback um, I know Titans fans will be excited about that but to me uh, there's just too much out there for me to say whether it's a good deal or not right now yeah Ryan Tannehill uh, and his two wins against New England and Baltimore 15 completions 29 attempts uh, 21 for 31 in that loss to Kansas City so Obviously, they just ran Derrick Henry over and over again, but it's worth noticing, or at least noting, that uh, they won when he didn't throw the ball, Um, (laughs) to be blunt. Uh, And Derrick Henry, uh, huge workhorse, not a threat in the the passing game, which is, you know, uh, I know four years, 50 million, it's not like, (coughs) excuse me, a large chunk of change, but it's at least a sizable commitment to someone, and, you know, he's relatively a one-dimensional running back, so when he's in the game, right. it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's Derrick Henry, and he's gonna run, and not Derrick Henry, and he's right. gonna catch. Yeah, absolutely, and then, again, it's just, it's a matter of how they're going to employ these guys this year, what they're, what types of looks they're going to give. You have to think that if it wasn't broke last year, they're, they're not gonna try to fix it, and I don't don't necessarily blame them for that i think this is going to be a good uh you know um move for this year my concern is year two year three of these deals and how they look 
uh, you know, going into, uh, you know, certain uh, years, if, it, if for any reason it doesn't work out or if these guys have a tendency to struggle, that's where you're going to see the uh, the issue. For this year, unless there's a severe regression on either one of these guys, mm -hmm. uh, to me, I, I think there's just a lot that needs to be worked out. So, Yeah. Um, you know, and also, what if Derrick Henry gets hurt? I know it's the what-if game, but if he gets hurt and he's a big type, you know, bruiser guy, I mean... It, it usually doesn't end up well when the big guys start breaking down. Um, no, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And that's always a risk. Anytime you sign any type of athlete to a long-term deal, um, injury is always the ultimate equalizer. And, you know, you always hope that it won't be a, a factor. I certainly hope it won't be a factor in this one. I love watching Derek Henry run the ball unless he's running rough shot over the Patriots in the playoffs, <laughs> but that's another story. Uh, but uh, no, all kidding aside, uh, really, he's, he's, he's a great guy to watch and you hope that uh, that he does stay healthy. But you're right, it's always the ultimate equalizer when it comes to deals like this. Yeah, and what this deal does do, actually, is it provides sort of a template for what the Browns are going to have to face uh, shortly with Nick right. Chubb. Because uh, Nick Chubb is a very similar running back to Derek Henry. Uh, you know, Basically, a threat in the running game, not much in the passing game. Um, but uh, looking at this, if they were to do something similar, I wouldn't hate it. Um, I'm not part of the pay running backs crowd. Uh, the best avenue I would go would probably let him play out his deal, franchise tag him twice, then say, see ya, it's been, it's been nice. Uh, but... I mean, as we've seen, he might not be happy, or you know, he might not be happy with a franchise tag. With you know, considering all the players who did uh, not get new deals with franchise tags today, uh, because there are a lot of them. Eleven, <laughs> eleven yeah. players did not come get new deals today. So. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? You have to be the right type of player in the right type of situation that's going to be able to play under those circumstances and not have that affect you. I don't think Tennessee wanted to take that chance, especially with a guy that's important, that's as important to their offensive prowess as Derrick Henry. So in a lot of ways, you know, Henry held all the cards there. I mean, mm -hmm. he really he really did. When you slap the player with a franchise tag, a lot of times people think like, oh, well, that really, really severely limits the player's capability of being able to control things. Things. Uh, to some extent, that is, does provide them with a little bit, uh, knowing that uh, they can hold that over the team's head. You know, do you really want me coming back on the franchise tag, maybe with a little, uh, you know, <laughs> a little acrimony, mm -hmm. and that might affect my play. I think in a lot of ways that played in here. Um, you know, Dak Prescott, obviously, in, uh, in uh, Dallas was a different, uh, you know, circumstance. He's going to be making a significant amount of money this year uh, regardless. So, I mean, there's there's no, you know, question there. I think uh, that type of a day can can change a lot but we'll see we'll see what happens with uh, uh with henry i think uh, the titans made the move they felt they had to make and i think we've laid out some concerns but there's also some cause for optimism because i mean you're you're dealing with one of the best running backs in the league so for at least this year it looks like it's going to be a smart move yeah uh i previously said 11 players it's 12 players uh <laughs> uh deck prescott showed up weird on adam Schefter's tweet on my computer screen and i did not count him at first <laughs> uh, but Derrick Henry, definitely the guy that makes the Titans offense go. Without him, that offense doesn't go. And I guess that's he held the leverage there, like you said. Right. Uh, yeah, without you know, question. Some of the other players, you can make the argument that they make the offense go, especially with Dak Prescott, but that really depends on who you ask. Um, right. <clears throat> I think what ha happened there is that if things didn't work out, they could be like, okay, well, we're just going to go with Andy Dalton. Not that he's anywhere yeah, near I, the ability level of Dak Prescott, but they had some other card to play. Oh, he's a serviceable quarterback. I mean, look, there were rumblings that the Patriots might have been interested in bringing in Andy Dalton and, uh, you know, possibly to succeed Tom Brady. I think a lot of Patriots fans rolled their eyes and really didn't like that at all. But you can't argue with the success that Andy's had. I mean, he hasn't had a tremendously prolific career, but he's a very serviceable, very good NFL quarterback. And I think that Dallas felt that if they needed to go in that direction, that they could do it. Um, ultimately, I, I think Dak gives them the best chance to win. I don't think there's any question about that. But, you know, they also have to watch their 
you know, overextending themselves. And mm -hmm. you look at the Mahomes deal now, and you look at what that's going to do to a lot of contracts, especially for quarterbacks down the line. Lamar Jackson's going to be up in 2022. Do they want to try to, you know, extend that? And, and, and does Baltimore want to try to dip their hand into a, a Mahomesian-like contract uh, for him down the line? There's a lot that needs to happen. I don't think Dallas was quite ready to go that extra mile with Dak this time around. Mm -hmm. I think, again, this franchise tag gives them the ability to backpedal a little bit, uh, maybe have have cooler heads prevail uh, when it comes to uh, this season and then in the off season, I think they'll try to revisit it and a lot of it's going to determine on the success level that they have uh, you know uh, um, in addition Dallas is a type is a type of market and even though they haven't had a great deal of postseason success in a number of years mm -hmm. there's still the expectation that they need to be in contention and be able to win every single year you have to think that it's getting to Jerry Jones that he's watching other teams have the success that they've had uh, raise Lombardi trophies or make you know deep runs into the playoffs or make the Super Bowl and the Dallas Cowboys haven't been there they'll make some noise in the in the NFC East but ultimately that's essentially where it ends you have to think he wants that success and he wants that um, spotlight back on the Dallas Cowboys so is Dak going to be the guy well we'll see we'll see in, uh, in uh, you know in uh, the coming months and uh, we'll find out exactly how committed they are to him but uh, Dallas at this point uh, needed to I, I believe, see what they really have in Dak Prescott. And I think he's up to the challenge. We'll see. Yeah. You, you mentioned Lamar Jackson uh, in a possible, as you referred to it, as a Mahomesian deal. Uh, <laughs> Mar Jackson, excellent player. I still think Baltimore would like to see him make a little bit more progression in the passing game, definitely. Um, <clears throat> he has made passes that he's had to, but there are questions about his overall ability as a NFL passer compared to players like Mahomes or, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Uh, if he starts making strides in that direction, I definitely think they'll pull the trigger on that deal <laughs> immediately. Yeah, I, I would. I would definitely, uh, you know, see that, uh, or I would definitely think of Baltimore as a team that would want to lock up uh, their ability to be able to remain in contention for a long-term period of time with Lamar. Uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on this year as, as the contracts, you know, tend to take shape. Um I'll be honest, I think a guy like Cam Newton right now is somebody that I think a lot of teams have to keep their eye on. If Cam performs at a high level, you have to wonder if this changes the Patriots' long-term plans. Is Cam more than just a one-year rental uh, than uh, his, his deal would uh, would lead on? Are they going to want to sign him to a long-term extension and be able to extend him out and have him be their quarterback of the future? Cam's only 31 years old. He's still very capable of leading a team uh, for a number of years if he's healthy and he's locked in. And by by all indications he's both so that mm -hmm. could change new england's uh, landscape if it's not new england and cam decides that he wants to take his talents elsewhere where's he going to go what team could possibly free up some space in order to bring him in uh as an upgrade to uh, to the quarterback position so there are a lot of questions uh with regard to that i think Mahomes deal was the first domino to drop when it comes to that. I look for uh, a lot of speculation surrounding Dak Prescott this year. I think he's going to be under a microscope. Uh, this is going to be a very big prove-it year for him, especially with the franchise tag and the amount that Dallas is going to have to put out. Um, but uh, ultimately, it's the guys like Lamar, like Cam, uh, you know, maybe some of the other quarterbacks as well that are in line for a pretty big payday as to whether or not they're going to be able to achieve it. And the other big question mark is the COVID-19 pandemic. What it's going mm -hmm. to do to the salary cap uh are we going to deal with a severely reduced cap next year how's that all going to play out these are all questions that have to be answered yeah uh cap reducing not good for new england not good for cleveland either uh let's hope that doesn't happen but i could definitely see it maybe staying the same uh, if it doesn't go down just maybe a little bit Right. Yeah, I, I think so. I think they're going to do everything they can to keep it. I know we've heard some, some prognostications of doom that the cap is going to fall off. It's going to be half of what they said. Uh, we may even you know, see it reduced uh, even more than 50 percent. I don't think there's any way that the NFL will allow that. I think they have put um, you know, uh, sort of safety measures in place to prevent that from happening. You probably will see a reduction, but ultimately, I think the teams that are going to be in the best cap space next year, one of which 
looks to be the New England Patriots right now. <laughs> I'm hoping that, that that is the case and that that remains as such. Uh, but they do have a significant amount coming off of their books next year. So if that be the case, uh, then they could find themselves in, uh, in a pretty good uh, spot next year, as well a lot of other teams as well. Yeah, I got one last question for you before I let you go. Uh, as we all know, uh, the Washington football team has changed their name. Do you have a favorite that you've seen uh, making the rounds? <laughs> I really love the idea of the Washington Red Tails. I love the way it comes off the tongue. I think it's a really, uh, it'd be a very good tribute uh, to a, a very brave and very gallant unit uh, that fought very bravely for our country during World War II. So I think that would be interesting. Uh, I think the Washington Warriors, obviously alliteration. I'm a big fan of that. Anybody that's read my writing or listens mm-hmm. to Locked On Patriots knows I like alliterative uh, you know, names. So the Warriors would be good. The Renegades. Uh, I just, I, I for one was glad to see them make the move that they made. I think it was long overdue. Uh, the uh, the nickname that they had had for far too long had been far too derisive. I know there were people that'll argue that it was more offensive than not, or I'm not going to get into that because I, mm-hmm. I can't you know speak to that intelligently um, because it doesn't apply to me directly. But I've seen the derisiveness that things like that can have. So them moving on and having a new moniker, a new dawn, a new day in Washington is a smart move. Uh, We'll see. We'll see what eventually happens. It might be one of those. Who knows? It might be a name that we haven't even considered yet. But uh, I I would probably be fine with with each of those. I think think the red fox and not having foxes or anything like that I think would be a little bit too hokey for me. But uh, (laughs) any one of the ones that uh, that I had, uh, you know, given earlier, uh, I think I think having keeping the R in the title, I think, is something that Washington would like to do yeah. uh, in some way. So, you know, look for something that has like a like a red tail or a red wolf or, you know, or, or you know, or renegade or something to that effect, I think, would allow them some continuity uh, without having to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Uh, out of those, I'd probably go with red tails. You know, obvious tribute to the Tuskegee Airmen be just a, you know, a great, right. uh, a great, I guess, Completely turning the page from going, you know, offensive from what people are trying to claim as tribute to an actual tribute. Um, Right. You know, obviously uh, Cleveland has their own issue with their baseball team. Uh, The name, uh, under criticism, uh, the former logo Chief Wahoo gone. Right. Uh, So as we've seen people have arguments about the Washington football team name, the same ones exist in Cleveland over the baseball team name and... I know you don't, you know, cover those teams, but let me tell you, they are exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. I really can. I I can imagine. I mean, there were some smatterings uh, throughout here about people wondering what the the, the details were going to be about uh, the the Patriots nickname and whether or not that was going to be, uh, you know, considered a uh, an offense if they were, you know, looking at at something to that nature. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what uh, what happens. There's no ground swelling, by the way, folks. This is just, you know, (laughs) these these are Twitter rumblings that are coming in. The New England Patriots are nowhere near close to uh, uh, to changing their name. But a lot of people were talking about the Revolutionary War days and times gone by that have essentially handcuffed, uh, you know, uh, you know, people from uh, from. Well, for lack of a better term, it's it's a different era and a different time, and I think yes. that is you know significant to leave it as that. But um, yeah, I, I can only imagine uh, how difficult it is. And look, you know, there are certain measures that I know, like the Cleveland uh, you know baseball team. You know, uh, uh, eliminating Chief Wahoo as their uh, um, as as one of their mascots, I think, was again the right move. I think, in a lot of ways, if it is derisive and it's going to be a detriment to the team, if it is offensive to a large number of people, that's not the type of image that you want to send to your fan base. It's not mm-hmm. the type of image that you want to purport. Uh, what may have been acceptable years ago doesn't necessarily mean it's acceptable now. And moving forward is a part of evolving thinking. And if this is a way to evolve the thinking of humanity, then 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 I'm for it. And I think that uh, you know it's probably the uh, the right move in these cases. So keep a sharp eye on everything that has to uh, uh, to happen uh, and the the dominoes that are sure to fall from here. Yeah, I can definitely see uh, the worst reply to stumble onto on onto one of those tweets or stories or comments <laughs> or whatever is the the what about x team and this team and this team you know what about cowboys right. you know they were they were bad people 150 years ago what about the chief's name it's that name's a little bit uh, a conversation need, i think needs to happen about that one but i think that one in my opinion is probably safe but you know what a, 
you know, what about all this? It's just like, instead of right. worrying about everything else, focus on the matter at hand. And the matter at hand is that, you know, the Washington football's team name, obviously offensive, obviously now gone. Cleveland's baseball team name, obviously offensive, should be gone. It seems like it's pointing that direction. Right. It's about focusing on the task at hand, not just trying to be finding everything else just because you're mad that your team name is changing. Absolutely. Could not have said it better myself. And, and that is the case. And we'll see eventually how this all shakes out. But uh, Washington looks to be, again, the first domino to fall. And uh, we'll see what, uh, uh, what the remaining teams in the remaining leagues do and how they're going to handle it from here on in. <laughs> 